Today, it's the lost books of the Bible. That's my focus today on Spiritual Awakening Radio, the mystery of the lost books of the Bible. Spiritual Awakening Radio is here every week exploring the world of spirituality, comparative religion, world scriptures, and other fascinating books, East and West, about God, meditation, near-death experiences, exploring the heavens, and ahimsa ethics of nonviolence in thought, word, and deed, education and enlightenment for a more peaceful world. Welcome to Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean. My website is spiritualawakeningradio.com. To get in touch with me, the email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com or send a text message to this number at this number, 508-603-9381, 508-603-9381, voicemail message or text message to that number or james at spiritualawakeningradio.com my email address at the website you'll find links to podcasts that are available for free on demand links to articles blogs daily spiritual quotes at social media like tumblr twitter facebook etc today the lost books of the bible the mystery of the apocrypha sometimes called extra-canonical scriptures, Dead Sea Scrolls, Nag Hammadi Library. Nag Hammadi is where they found the Gnostic Gospels. Books like the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Mary Magdalene. So many writings. So many writings. Pseudopographical literature, other gospels, books of Acts, spiritual letters and discourses, other apocalypses or books of revelation, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, other accounts of Genesis or creation. So many different categories of writings. One of my favorite subjects is the lost books of the Bible the mystery of these other writings. Books of the other Bible, or other people's Bible, scriptures used by other branches of Judaism and Christianity so long ago in the Middle East and around the Mediterranean, in Israel, Syria, the Persian Gulf, along the Silk Road all the way over to India and China. Northern Africa, of course, Egypt and Ethiopia, all these areas of the world have had branches of uh, Christianity and different collections of writings turn up in different locations. So many writings. Constantine's Bible, Syrian manuscripts of the Bible, Coptic writings found in Egypt, each monastery had its own library and is a great source for ancient manuscripts. 
in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, Luke says, or the author, the composer of the Gospel of Luke says, many have undertaken to write an account of these things. Many have written Gospels. Apparently, even by the time that Luke wrote his Gospel, many others have, by that time, already composed Gospels. So many writings. Many of the podcasts and radio programs and cable TV specials about these writings, Lost Books, Gospel of Judas, and so on, have mentioned the existence of these writings, perhaps reported on the carbon dating of uh, some manuscripts and some of the history or background, but they never really delve into the spiritual teachings of these documents. They never really delve into the depths of these texts. What was the spiritual path of some of the composers of these writings? How legitimate are these? How genuine are some of these texts? Who wrote them? Who used them? What was the spiritual path? What lifestyle did some of these people follow? What were their goals? What were their spiritual goals? Those of the composers of the Dead Sea Scrolls and Nag Hammadi Library. What were these movements, these spiritual movements of antiquity about? You never get to that with most of the programs, podcasts, and cable channel shows on these documents. They never quite get around to the actual reality behind the words. And that's what I hope to do on today's program. Many years ago, when I was reading the New Testament book of Jude, I noticed an amazing quote, a quote which opened me up to the other books of the Bible, or lost books of the Bible. Jude, in verse 14 of his short letter preserved at the uh, back, or near the back of the New Testament, quoted from the book of First Enoch, chapter 1. Jude or Judas also quoted another apocryphal book called The Assumption of Moses. Fortunately, when I was reading Jude, I used the Berkeley translation, which has a lot of candid, honest, scholarly footnotes. And it immediately pointed out that Jude was quoting from the book of First Enoch, chapter 1. Some translations don't mention that. Don't mention that quote. They just kind of keep right on uh, going and aren't even paying attention. So I was very grateful that I was reading a, a pretty honest, scholarly, candid translation at the time that believes in footnotes and quotation marks and, uh, you know, pointing out something that's very significant going on there in the book of Jude. The Jude, uh, really liked certain extra-canonical writings, including the book of First Enoch, and uh, directly quotes from it. I was amazed to find out about the existence of the book of Enoch, that Jude had a copy of it, evidently in his library. He had that scroll on his bookshelf, that Jude, sometime during the first century, uh, had access to it. And so, 
if Jude had a copy of Enoch in his library so long ago, I decided that I wanted to have a copy of it as well for my library. So I managed to find a copy, a translation of the book of Enoch, and thus began my quest to collect and study apocryphal writings, extra-canonical scriptures, and try and get to the bottom of the mystery. Who wrote these things? How legitimate are they? What are they saying? What are the origins of uh, these writings, including the Bible? Who, who put together the Bible, the Orthodox European or Roman Bible that we know of, that Orthodox Christianity of the Roman Empire adopted and that has been sort of passed on uh, since that time, you know, in Catholicism, Orthodoxy, Protestantism, Evangelicalism, up to the present time. Who decided what books are in there? I found it quite amazing one day when I discovered a King James version of the Bible that contained the Apocrypha. That is, uh, not only the familiar 66 books of the Bible, the, the traditional King James Version that most people are acquainted with, but the original King James Version included several other books referred to as the Apocrypha, Ecclesiasticus, Wisdom of Solomon, First and Second Maccabees, First and Second Esdras, and a few other odds and ends as well, a very charming story about Bell and the Dragon, a few little bits and pieces, extra verses or chapters of the book of Daniel. That also was part of the original King James Version. <laughs> and so uh, the list continued to grow for me. So many writings. So many writings. The case for the book of First Enoch. Enoch and the Dead Sea Scrolls. The book of First Enoch was part of the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible, the Essene Library of Qumran, Israel. The book of First Enoch was included amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls. In fact, was one of the most widely studied books at Qumran from 400 BC through 70 AD. This observation that Enoch was popular is based upon the large number of Aramaic Enoch fragments that have been found as part of the Dead Sea Scroll discovery. Various caves in the 1940s uh, were excavated for various scrolls and fragments of scrolls. Many Jews were studying Enoch before and during the time of Jesus. Uh, and so, yes, Jude quotes from the book of First Enoch in the New Testament. The author of the book of Jude quotes First Enoch in his New Testament letter, which is a great canonical endorsement for the book of Enoch by the original Jesus movement. The Bibles that bear the most resemblance to Jude's reading list, which includes Enoch and the Assumption of Moses, the Bibles that bear the closest resemblance to scriptures that Jude liked 
and this Aramaic-speaking Christian movement uh, is the Ethiopian Bible, as well as the Dead Sea Scrolls, or Essene Qumran Bible. Jude not only quotes from Enoch, but also from the Assumption of Moses. Both Enoch and the Assumption of Moses were recognized as scripture by the Essenes. In addition to Jude, biblical scholars also have noticed many parallel verses and shared ideas between the New Testament and Book of First Enoch, illustrating how influential the Book of Enoch was on Jesus, the authors of the Gospels, uh, and other New Testament books, especially the book of Revelation. Tertullian, the early church father, recognized in Catholicism as well as Orthodoxy, referred to Enoch as scripture. The early church father, Tertullian, quotes passages from the book of Enoch, the book of First Enoch specifically, referring to these passages as scripture. You know, it says in the scriptures, blah, 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 and it turns out the quotes that uh, Tertullian referred to were from the book of First Enoch. For Tertullian, like Jude, the book of First Enoch was scripture and is quoted sometimes. The epistle of Jude, verse 14 in the New Testament, is also appealed to by Tertullian as a testimonial to the authority of Enoch. Tertullian's canon of the Old Testament included the Deuterocanical books, since he also quotes most of those, books of the Apocrypha, what the Protestants call the Apocrypha. He also cites the book of Enoch as inspired and thinks those who wanted to remove Enoch were wrong. See the uh, website tertullian.org. So did Barnabas, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Origen, and Clement of Alexandria. The book of Enoch was extant centuries before the birth of Christ, and yet is considered by many to be more Christian in its theology than Jewish. It was considered scripture by many early Christians. The earliest literature of the Church Fathers is filled with references to this mysterious book of Enoch. Second and third century church fathers like Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Origen, and Clement of Alexandria make use of Enoch. Tertullian, who lived from 160 AD to 230 AD, even called the book of First Enoch Holy Scripture. The Ethiopian church includes the book of First Enoch as part of their official canon of the Bible. The Ethiopian Bible, to this day, includes the book of First Enoch. The Epistle of Barnabas. Like some other major leaders, uh, Barnabas in early Christianity quoted from Enoch, even using the term scripture to describe Enoch passages. I have a copy of the the letter of Barnabas. And indeed it does uh, quote Enoch, you know, saying in the scriptures it says, quote, blah, 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 unquote. And it's references from the book of First Enoch. I've got that in my own library. I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm not relying on websites and other books. I actually 
these passages that I, you know, I've actually seen being referred to as scripture by early church fathers. And of course, most everyone has access to the book of Jude being uh, part of the New Testament. Enoch is in the Bible, in other words. The Ethiopian Bible includes the books, actually the books of 1st and 2nd Enoch. The Ethiopian Bible contains the books of Enoch and several other surprising books as well. Thus preserving this earlier understanding, dating back to the time of the Dead Sea Scrolls and the New Testament, that viewed Enoch to be a very special book, a very inspired sacred text, a Jewish book that provides a kind of transition from Judaism to Christianity, the Son of Man section of the book of First Enoch especially uh, is so Christian that perhaps uh, it even was penned by Christians. The rest of First Enoch, fragments of it have been uh, found at Qumran as part of the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible, part of the library of the Essenes found at Qumran. But there is one section of First Enoch referred to as the Son of Man section uh, because it uses that term, which also Jesus uses. And it's so Christian in its orientation that it may be an example of one of the earliest Christian scriptures embedded in the book of First Enoch. Uh, that section, the Son of Man section, has not turned up at Qumran. Perhaps because it hadn't been written yet by the time, you know, the, uh, of the Essene library uh, at Qumran. Maybe it hadn't even been penned yet, or at least not circulating uh, at Qumran, but definitely circulated amongst the Christians, the Jewish Christians of the first century A.D., so that's just how Christian that section of the, the book of First Enoch might have been. It might be an example of one of the earliest Christian writings that help uh, provide us with a great segue from the Old Testament to the New, from Judaism to Christianity, or a kind of a transitional Judaism of the intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew where Christian ideas develop. So, First Enoch is very important to Jewish thinking and Christian thinking as part of that transition from Judaism to a Jewish sect called the Jesus Movement of Palestine or Israel during the first century A.D. And the book of First Enoch kind of lingered for a while amongst the uh, uh, Catholic uh, fathers, early church fathers of orthodoxy for a few centuries at least and then sort of fell out of favor because uh, the book of First Enoch is very Eric von Däniken, if you know what I mean, very chariots of the gods about the, the angels and humans interacting uh, and the Nephilim and so it, it's, it's very very uh, uh, colorful, shall we say, and probably that's one of the reasons why it fell out of favor eventually. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio here on HealthyLife.net, the Positive Talk Radio Network. My name is James Bean. Today it's the Lost Books of the Bible, 
And now that we've delved into First Enoch, it's time to delve into the rest of the writings and provide a background on so many other ancient scriptures referred to as lost books of the Bible, apocryphal writings, Gnostic Gospels, Dead Sea Scrolls, Nag Hammadi Library, Odes of Solomon, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Stay tuned for more after these messages. Lost Books of the Bible edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio continues, summing up my case for the book of First Enoch being considered legitimate scripture in Essene Judaism and early Christianity. Point number one, First Enoch was part of the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible, part of the library there at Qumran, the Essene Library of Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Two, the New Testament author Jude quotes the book of First Enoch in his epistle of Jude in the New Testament, thus a canonical endorsement for First Enoch. First Enoch was in Jude's library. Why can't First Enoch be in our library too? Jude quotes from the book of First Enoch, so it must be good, right? Three... Tertullian and other early church fathers referred to Enoch as scripture. Barnabas, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Origen of Alexandria, Clement of Alexandria, and Tertullian liked first Enoch. Some of them quoted from Enoch, referring to it as scripture. First Enoch was a favorite of uh, many Jews and then members of the Jesus movement in the early uh, centuries, and First Enoch lingered for a while into the first few centuries A.D., kind of lingered for a while before it got phased out. So some of those early church fathers, even ones recognized by Catholicism and Orthodoxy, liked First Enoch as well. And finally, the final point, Enoch is still in the Bible. It's in the Ethiopian manuscripts of the Bible that that have been around for the, for almost the last 2,000 years. Enoch is in the Ethiopian Bible. If you were to grab a copy of the Ethiopian Bible and notice the table of contents you'd see in there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Revelation, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, also what the Protestants call Apocrypha, 1st and 2nd Esdras, 1st and 2nd Maccabees, extra chapters of the book of Daniel, and so on. And you'd also find in the table of contents of the Ethiopian Bible, 1st Enoch, 2nd Enoch, the ascension of Isaiah, a letter of the apostles, a kind of fifth gospel, and some other stuff too. Over 80 books are found in the Ethiopian Bible. Pretty amazing, actually my case for the book of First Enoch. 
The God of time or illusion has put a cover over the teachings of saints and thus concealed them from humanity. So many writings got lost or forgotten about or misplaced, and the sands of time started to pile on top. They eventually disappeared from sight. But, as Jesus said, and this is a quote from something called Greek Oxyrhynchus Thomas, the Gospel of Thomas, Greek edition found at Oxyrhynchus, Egypt. There is nothing hidden that won't become exposed and nothing buried that won't be raised. I want to share with you my encounter with the books of the other Bible. I want to impart information about the books of the other scriptures, mystical poetry, spiritual discourses, and other amazing documents, which might be very helpful to you on your spiritual journey. It's time that this knowledge is revealed so anyone can know how to find the lost or hidden books of the Bible or other Bible. In other words, scriptures once valued by various branches of Judaism and apostolic Christianity around the Mediterranean and Roman Empire and Israel, Syria, Persian Gulf, so long ago in places like Ethiopia, Egypt, Israel, Syria, along the Silk Road, around the Mediterranean, and North Africa, especially Egypt. So many writings. We are essentially returning to the second century AD. For a while, a lot of these writings uh, were misplaced, but uh, quite a few people interested in Christianity are again reading the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Mary Magdalene. The Odes of Solomon especially are popular. So we're kind of back to the second century again. And I think that's a good place to be, where writings are not locked away or lost or forbidden. There's a lot of great stuff there. A long time ago, when I was involved in making a major study of the Hebrew Scriptures and New Testament, I noticed that Catholic Bibles contained several additional books that aren't found typically in the Protestant Bible. These books are called the Apocrypha in the Protestant tradition. Although the original King James Version of 1611 did contain these books, it seems that Protestant Bible societies took them out of the Bible, or most editions of the King James Version, a couple hundred years ago to make smaller, cheaper Bibles available to the masses. Today, most Protestants think of these disputed books as Catholic, quote-unquote. But the truth of the matter is, the books of the Apocrypha, 1st and 2nd Esdras, 1st and 2nd Maccabees, extra chapters of the book of Daniel, and wisdom books like Ecclesiasticus and the Odes of Solomon, for millennia, thousands of years, hundreds of years, have also traditionally been included in the old Bibles of the Greek Orthodox Church, Syrian Orthodox Church, Russian Orthodox Church, Armenian Orthodox Church, 
Coptic Church of Egypt and the Bibles of other ancient churches like the Ethiopian Church. Translations of most of these books were also found amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls. The original Greek translation of the Old Testament made in Alexandria, Egypt around 200 BC also included these books. Books that have now vanished from Protestant Bibles in the U.S. They're gone. They once were there, but now they're gone. Providing us with a good example of how this sort of thing happens. How books once read, like Enoch, no longer are read, or seems seem to have disappeared from sight. I'm glad I have a copy of the King James Version with Apocrypha, and uh, to have discovered that the original King James Version includes those extra writings referred to as the Apocrypha. Stay tuned for more about the lost books of the Bible after this break. The Apocryphal Adventures of Spiritual Awakening Radio today. My focus is the lost books of the Bible. From my perspective, the two most interesting books of the Apocrypha are the Wisdom of Solomon and the Book of Ecclesiasticus, or the Wisdom of Syrac, two very large collections of proverbs and wisdom sayings. Very wonderful to have. Now, those books that the Protestants called the Apocrypha, 1st and 2nd Esdras, the Maccabees, wisdom books, those were not included by Orthodox Judaism when during the 1st or 2nd century AD they got around to formalizing their canon of the Hebrew Scriptures or Old Testament, what Christianity refers to as the Old Testament. But Early Christianity went by the Septuagint. The Septuagint Greek translation of the Old Testament made in Alexandria around 200 BC includes those books. And so they get downloaded into early Christianity and Orthodox Christianity, Catholicism, Armenian, Syrian, Coptic Christianity, Ethiopian Christianity. Uh, therefore included those books. And that's why the books of the Apocrypha have had such staying power, while others totally disappeared. Uh, in those forms of Christianity, they remain because they were included in the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament and therefore have uh, such uh, visibility that it's kind of hard to misplace them, at least uh, for those branches of Eastern Christianity. Many people think that the Bible as we know it was put together by, I don't know, Jesus and the apostles maybe during the first century AD, or that it dropped from the sky and was caught by some copyist in the early centuries or caught by King James in 1611, something like that, dropped from the sky as is. But 
that's not how it went. <laughs> that's not so. It's not how it went down. For a longer period of time than the U.S. has been a country, for many centuries, the early church had no such concept as a closed canon of scripture, a collection of books that they viewed as the final, complete, or only revelation concerning spiritual matters. After all, they were writing stuff at the time. New things were being written. Rather, Christians during that early creative period felt free to compose new scriptures, psalms, odes, proverbs, letters that they felt were inspired, and other documents of a spiritual nature. This was during the early years when Christianity had living saints, mystics. Christianity was a fairly supernatural type religion, a mystery religion that put a great deal of emphasis on experiencing the kingdom of God or the spiritual realm. Eventually, you get, you know, a more organized, institutional Christianity forming uh, at the time of uh, Constantine and later. And so things got kind of frozen or codified, you know, etched in stone, as it were, at some point. But there are many examples of those other scriptures that didn't make it into the Roman or European canon of scripture. Scriptures uh, that were once used by Jews and Christians long ago. Many years ago, I began collecting these other books. The Odes of Solomon, for instance, the would-be book of New Testament Psalms, one of the greatest of these extra-canonical scriptures, is something called the Odes of Solomon. Out of all of the apocryphal writings I've collected, out of all the lost books, I think the Odes is the most beautiful. It is the would-be book of New Testament Psalms. The book of the Odes has been described as the first known hymn book of early Christianity. One scholar said of the Odes, here are some of the most beautiful songs of peace and joy the world possesses. Bentley Layton, in his book The Gnostic Scriptures, says that the Odes were considered to be inspired scripture and were sung, were chanted by Christians who lived in Syria and around Mesopotamia about 2,000 years ago. These ecstatic hymns, referred to as the Book of the Odes, or Odes of Solomon, remind me of Rumi or Sufi love poetry in the tradition of the lover and the beloved, sort of like uh, the writings or poetry of St. John of the Cross. They also remind me of many Sikh scriptures of India that also have this uh, romantic approach of the lover and the beloved. I think that's how it got its name, or misnamed, became at some point misnamed as the Odes of Solomon, because the style is very similar to the Songs of Solomon, very much uh, love songs to God, essentially. And that's why it got named Odes of Solomon, even though they are New Testament hymns, the would-be book of New Testament Psalms. Very wonderful indeed. It says in the Odes, There is no hard way 
where there is a simple heart. Good thought finds no wounds, nor is there any storm in the depths of illuminated thought. Surrounded on every side by the beauty of the open country, one is free of doubt. Below is like above. Open your ears and I shall speak to you. Give me yourself, so that I too may give you myself. He filled me with words of truth, that I may speak the same. Like the flow of waters, truth flows from my mouth, and my lips reveal its harvest. And it gives me the gold of knowledge, for the mouth of the Lord is the true word, and the door of his light, and the highest one gave the word to his worlds, which interpret his own beauty, recite his praise, confess his thought, are heralds of his mind, are instructors of his works. For the swiftness of the word is ineffable, and like his statement are its swiftness and sharpness, its course knows no end, it never fails, it stands, its descent and its way are incomprehensible. Like his work is its end, for it is the light and the dawn of thought, and through the word worlds converse. The mouth of the highest one spoke to them, and he was made clear by his word. The dwelling place of the word is man, and its truth is love. Ode 12 of the Odes of Solomon. More Spiritual Awakening Radio coming up after this break. Hope you're enjoying this Lost Books of the Bible edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Text message me at 508-603-9381 if you like. Visit my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. At the website, you'll find a donate button buttons that go to various blogs podcasts are available there are buttons that take you to my social media tumblr twitter facebook for daily spiritual quotes this and more found at spiritualawakeningradio.com the author of the gospel of luke begins his gospel by saying many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So here Luke is describing a reality of others having written Gospels already before he got around to writing his Gospel of Luke. There is a collection of such Gospels. All of what survives of Gospel material from the early centuries AD. A book called The Complete Gospels. 
edited by Robert J. Miller. Containing Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Thomas, Mary Magdalene, Edgerton 840, James, wait, what? What's that again? What are those other names after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? You'll just have to check out the book. It contains what remains of Gospels and fragments of Gospels from the early centuries A.D., including the Greek Gospel of Thomas, a collection of the sayings of Jesus, as well as Coptic Thomas, discovered in Egypt, along with other books of the Nag Hammadi Library. I thought I would take the remaining moments of today's program in the final segment here and turn it into a spiritual discourse now that I've given some background about the history of apocryphal writings, lost books. This is saying too, a saying of Jesus from the Gospel of Thomas. Let one who seeks not stop seeking until that person finds, and upon finding, the person will be disturbed or troubled. And being disturbed, he will be astounded and will reign over the entirety. And once he has ruled, he will attain rest. My interpretation of this saying is, these are the steps and stages of the spiritual journey. Seeking finding. Upon finding, there is a time of adjustment, of repentance, of metanoia, of change, of editing, death of the old, the birth of the new, a little disruption, being troubled, working things out. But after that stage comes the beginning of the spiritual journey, really, as part of one's own personal direct experience one will become astonished. In the tradition of Thomas Christianity, being astonished is language for seeing the light of the Godhead, being astonished by the manifestation of divine light. And this is the opening up to the kingdom of the heavens that are within. There is described in 1st Enoch, 2nd Enoch, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament talks about being caught up to the third heaven, or paradise. In uh, Gnostic texts, many texts, is described the goal of the mysticism of these folks in Judaism and Christianity to ascend through several different heavenly realms to get back to God again. There are several different heavens. Part of this entirety or ruling over the all or universe or cosmos of inner space. But true Gnostic heaven is above those other heavenly realms and is called heavenly repose or rest. And that's the true heaven above the other heavens and that's the goal of Gnostic spirituality. The ascension of the soul via contemplative meditation practice. This is a saying of Jesus. Now, therefore, while you are in the body, do not let matter rule over you. Arise. Let us go away from this place. 
We not only need sleep to rest and recharge our body and mind, but through meditation, we can experience another level of rest, tranquility, or heavenly repose. I just read a saying attributed to Jesus found in a Coptic language book from Egypt called the Gospel of the Savior. In the Gnostic Gospels are many descriptions of souls ascending through the various heavenly realms. This was part of their contemplative practice and an important goal. Rather than remaining under the control of the hand of fate, the archons or rulers, principalities and other negative powers of mind and matter, by ascension or rising above body consciousness during meditation, the Gnostic soul, the mystic soul, seeks to rule over the entirety. In other words, gain mastery of their own inner space, the microcosm of the macrocosm universe within. A key teaching of all of these texts is that heaven must be experienced during this life while we are in the body. The world is no longer a prison if we're free to come and go as we please, if the doors are open. Now, therefore, while you are in the body, do not let matter rule over you. Arise. Let us go away from this place. Rather than being dominated by mind and matter, the soul reaches the level of spirit. The soul is in charge. The spirit becomes in charge, becomes over mind and matter. It's very important, a very important principle to see something of heaven now while we are in the body. These texts are not about magic dates on the calendar, Mayan calendars, you know, second comings and earth changes and space brothers coming in the future someday in the by and by, a tomorrow that never comes. This is not a sci-fi speculative kind of spirituality but a present tense kingdom of God can be experienced here and now by the contemplative soul. Seek and you will find. Be still and know that I am God. Not off in the by and by someday at the end of time, but now, today, in this present moment. One of the central teachings of the Gnostic Gospels. Thanks for joining me today on Spiritual Awakening Radio. Next week, more about the lost books of the Bible. Thank you.